So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. It's time for you to meet me. Decades, Halloween Horror Nights Orlando has mastered the art of the scare. We'll cover each year of this amazing event one by one, picking through the bones and uncovering its past. So join us now as we open another tomb inside the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. Of course, my name is Hunter, and I am most excited to be here today because I have a fresh, hot new interview coming straight out the oven featuring Mr. Patrick Brailier, talking all about the lore and history of HHN 25 as part of our retrospective series. Uh, we, we break down Jack the Clown, his motivations, what, what makes him tick, how we got to the current Jack, well, the Jack that we last saw during 25. Uh, we, we break down that year a little bit. We talk about even the successor to that year, of course, with Chance and HHN 26. There's so much fun stuff. Oh, yeah, we talk about Revenge of the Two Fairy and the Bride of Frankenstein Lives. Like, even more coverage on those two houses than uh, what we just had with Charles on the last episode. So, this is a jam-packed episode. It's awesome. So we're going to start off with that HHN 25 interview. And then at the end of the episode, I have a interview that Shelby and I recorded at the media night for Tunnel of the Damned. And uh, it's a short little one, so it's an additional, I think, about 11, 12 minutes worth of interview questions specifically about Patrick and Kim's uh, new project over at Tunnel of the Damned at the Orlando Forum. It's all great. I'm so excited to get this out to you all, and hopefully you enjoy. Happy Halloween. Joining me, I have a very special guest, someone that I've been uh, excited to talk to for a little while now, and is especially appropriate with this HHN 25 retrospective series that we're doing. Uh, I am pleased to be joined by Mr. Patrick Brailliard. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm great. How are you? Great, man. I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. For those who might not be as familiar with, with you by name, I, I, we've got a huge hardcore audience, but for those of us who maybe aren't as familiar, can you go ahead and state who you are, what you do, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Uh, until quite recently, I was a creative development show director for Universal Orlando Resort, dealing with uh, not only capital projects like Raptor Encounter or Diagon Alley, uh, but also in the the live entertainment that went there, uh, but also the marquee events and part of that, uh, not only for the parades and for you know Grinchmas and Mannheim and things like that, but also for the last uh, twelve or thirteen holiday seasons, uh, I have been a part of the concept team and show direction team for Halloween Horror Nights. Gotcha. And that is, of course, while you're here today. Now, of course, we are here to talk a little bit about your new project as well, uh, over with Tunnel of the Damned and Forum of Fear. But very grateful to be able to dive into a little bit of the history of HHN 25 as we're doing this series. So I guess kind of starting off, HHN 25 is a 
huge year, especially for for myself. That was my first ever year of Halloween Horror Nights. This was an event. Oh, right on. Yeah, this was the first time I was actually able to attend the event um, since actually following it since the old uh, Islands of Fear, like Art of the Scare documentary from Travel Channel. I think that one gets brought up a lot. Um, so actively following it year after year and then finally getting to see it at 25, that's a huge thing. And I feel like a lot of people have a, a sort of similar story just because of the impact and size of HHN 25. So kind of leading up into that year, was there a lot of pressure just because this is such a huge celebration of everything that had came before? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, I don't know if pressure is ever the right word. Um, you know, through... Through my history with with Universal, we would we would always um, be asked that that question of you know how do you guys top yourselves year after year or how what you know do you ever feel that there's an inordinate amount of pressure for you to produce more or be bigger and I mean obviously leading into 25 from 24 which which saw a huge amount of growth um, and you know all the sustaining years previous to that with the Walking Dead series that had been a part of uh, part of the event for for a number of years at that point um, we. We didn't feel, at least from my point of view, I don't think, I don't think we ever feel pressured um, to create something bigger. Uh, the, the the nice part about uh, creating for Horror Nights was always that um, it came from a place of love because we were we were fans of the event and we're fans of the genre our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's always a matter of what kind of cool, fun stuff can we come up with this year? Gotcha. Um, and it always comes up with a story first. So it's always about how do we want to tell the story of, in this case, how do we want to tell the story of Jack's return? Or how do we want to tell the story of, uh, I, I forget the houses that year uh, because everything's a, a, a massive blur. <laughs> but but, but, it, but it, always goes from, it always goes from a story aspect first. And then from there, it's, it's not easy. But you start to see how things can line up based on the ideas that people come up with. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually part of what I wanted to dive into here. There's a lot of discussion kind of around the lore of HHN 25, just because this is something that took place over basically three event years. Uh, I would say that you kind of started easing into 25 with even 20 and, and the the lantern and fear and then you know during uh hhn 24 i believe it was the final night of that event that you guys actually did the teaser for jack's return the following year um so like you have kind of this multi-part story leading up to his return and i think part of uh what i wanted to dive in today is starting with hhn 20 and like i said fear in the lantern that introduces Jack as this as the agent or, or totem of chaos. So that's kind of twisting him on his head. You know, uh, Jack's last full event year, if I remember correctly, was 17. So bringing him back for 20 with all the icons, that had to be a huge thing. So if you can, tell us about uh, HHN 20 and kind of how that leads into HHN 25. Wow, uh, that's such a loaded question. Um, okay, <laughs> so in 17, yeah, we had Carnival of Carnage, and Jack took over Oddfellows Carnival, and you know you had the, you know you had the 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 Carnival of Carnage show, and and it 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 showcased that Jack was no longer um, okay with just being in the shadows as a as you know just the clown. He wanted to be the ringleader. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be the man in charge, and um, and he did so. Uh, quite effectively, and I and what what I loved about seventeen was that, and and I'll get to th- twenty five, uh, eventually. Sure. Uh, 
as soon as my guys are done cutting the lawn next door. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah, it's great. At least it's not a chicken. That's right. Um, <laughs> damn bird. Uh, but but in 17, what was great about it is that, you know, you got to see the evolution of Jack. You got to go from from a a, a a difference in character, not just in look. I mean, because obviously we turned him into a, a ringleader and we gave him the coat and we, you know, we changed up his makeup slightly and, you know, we, we put him more front. Um, but also you gave him a bigger sense of power. You know, you gave him you gave him a little bit more uh, detail to his backstory. You 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 allowed the guests to. To sh- to see Jack in a different way, you know, um, and what was also great about twenty seven or sorry tw- uh, seventeen, see they all start to run together. That's okay. uh, what was great about what was great about seventeen as well is that you also got to include Chance. Um, you got to you got to look at Eddie from a small point of view, uh, kind of a hint. Um, but then what led from seventeen to twenty is that. You know, you wanted a vehicle to be able to not only bring Jack and the rest of the icons back, but also to evolve them even further. And by allowing Jack to be the agent of chaos, you you start that process where he stops being um, just a just a you know a uh, a scary clown, and he starts to take on something a little bit stronger. He starts to take on something that's a little bit darker. He starts to become. Uh, Almost, almost a god of chaos, if you will. Um, you know, he's a, fig, a figurehead of of you know that particular section of of, of the human condition. And so, when you get to twenty, um, you have the opportunity to to uh, place him amongst all of the icons. Um, and and I don't think it's I don't think it's a matter of of he being subservient to fear. Or, or any of the icons being subservient to fear at that point. I think it's a matter of fear is the, the kind of the gatekeeper of where they all might rest. Sure. When they're not there and waiting and biding their time to come back and, and wreak havoc on the guests. Um, so that by the time we get to 25, we could tell a full concrete story that Jack is not only back, but also that he's there to harness more power. He's there. He's at his height. He's at his zenith. He's, you know, he's on stage and he's, I mean, when you got to, when you got to 25 and the carnage returns, we tried to, we tried to push it so far that Jack was, I mean, beyond everything and, and, and allowing him, I mean, there's a, there's a line at the beginning of that show where, you know, he gets on stage and, and he says, you know, horror nights, I am horror nights. And there's this huge flame burst and it's that kind of it's that kind of mischievous, uh, chaotic soul that is like I'm going to do the unpredictable. I'm going to rip people apart, and I'm gonna and you're gonna love it. Um, that is something that is that is inherent within that character, and I think that he can't get to that point unless you do take the steps during 17 to set that base, and then in 20 have that evolutionary jump up, and then in 25 really release it. And uh, I can't think of a better character in the entire canon of Horror Nights to Shepard in 25 than Jack. Not just because he was the first of the icons, um, but that also his personality and the character as Keaton has played him over the course of, you know, many, many moons um, gives him the opportunity to do it in a way that nobody else could. Sure, sure. I think it is very interesting that you're kind of having this story of, the other icons probably see fear as a way that 
kind of makes them immortal or like boosts them up in their their power beyond where they normally would be. But when you're talking about Jack, Jack as a character fundamentally makes more sense that he's constantly in search of more power. How do I even now that I've reached this level, how do I kind of betray fear, betray the master so I can actually be, well, I guess the ringleader of the event as a whole, the ringleader of the HHN icons? Well, and that's an interesting point. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's so much of him betraying fear or if he understands that fear is a, a means to an end. Gotcha. You know, I, I, I think that I think that no matter what, this gang of of uh, of characters, these this gang of icons, this legion of icons, um, whether interconnected or not, or a part of each other's stories or not, I think I think they're aware of one another, and I think that they're all down for the kill. Gotcha. I think they're all down to spread fear. I think they're all down to spread um, in all, all their different ways, whether it be through order, like the like the uh, the usher, or through chaos, like Jack. I think that or legends or, or you know what have you mm-hmm. um they're all down to spread misery amongst humans and i think that that's something that's that's unique and, and wonderful about them and then in 25 because of the carnage returns we had the opportunity following that show um and going into 26 um we got the opportunity for the first time ever to tell a sequel we had you know the the, the pitch story that we used um that i wrote from 25 to 26 um was it began moments following that show. So it was backstage right after the show had, had finished is the show is the story that we worked on and pitched as the, as the overall theme for that particular year. So that 25 became a bridge to 26 and that gave not only strength to, uh, I, I think it gave strength to, to chance as an icon moving forward but also it gave a piece of perspective for the fans of 25 knowing what they had just seen uh and i think that it put it in a a particular place and i'm excited about you know where where that could take the characters later on down the road i mean i'm i'm no longer with universal orlando but um due to due to covid but i think that um it definitely gives a, a, a nice leaping off point for the future whether or not um jack is seen again uh, in 30 or if Jack is seen again in 30, 31, 32, 33, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point what years he comes back. I don't think as a fan of the event, um, I think that we've given him, I think enough vehicle or story to, to provide an, a window in whenever, you know, they so choose to, to allow him to play. There, there's a lot that I could spin off from here to be perfectly honest, but I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of conversation. We've had Jack several times show up at the event. He is obviously the most reoccurring one. He's led the event during 10, not part of the original plan, but he was brought back for 11. Then you had 17 featured in a, the uh, capacity of the Lantern with HHN uh, 20, then uh, going into HHN 25. So you've had Jack a lot. Um, Jack is the one that is really, I mean, he would hate this comparison. He'd probably kill me, but he, he's basically the Mickey Mouse of the event, right? Like he is. Oh, uh, who no, people... <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. I understand the analogy. Uh, I, you know what? Here's at the end of the day, clowns are scary. Yeah. 
So if you're looking at it from a point of view of somebody who, like you said earlier, you know, you've got a lot of hardcore fans that listen to this. But if anybody who has not been to the event or has just recently started to follow what Horror Nights is in the last couple of years, um, I think that they, whether it be this year, next year, or five years down the road, if they continue to, to look at Horror Nights, the first time they see Jack or the first time that they encounter Jack as a character or the first time that they actually meet him, for God's sakes, um, they... I think it's different. Mm-hmm. I think it's not enough to say, okay, there's our figurehead and that's who it is because we've had a revolving door of those. Um, I think it's a matter of Jack's special. And I, and I, and I, and, and in a way that I don't think, <laughs> I don't think Mickey's special. And that's, that's hard for me to say because I love Mickey Mouse. I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, sure. my kids love him, whatever. But um, I think that there's a different mystique centered around him. And I think it's, Partly in because he, you know, he is such an agent of chaos. It's not a matter of, um, he's not reliable in that way. You know, it's not, it's not like you're going to be like, okay, well let's tune on, let's turn on his show and we always know what to expect. And there's going to be a lesson at the end. It's a matter of, oh my God, what did he just do? And what's he going to do next? That I think, that I think uh, is one of the reasons that he keeps being brought back. And I, and you know, it's, if, if anything, it becomes a challenge to try and bring him back because now that he's reached this apex, what do you do with him? You know, how do you, how do you bring him back in service that character and that character's story more importantly? Yeah. I, I, I've never really considered it, but from what you're telling me, it makes perfect sense. Jack is the character that is most likely to, I think kind of carry a storyline and evolve as he goes forward through the years. The other icons as well, iconic as they are, it's hard to imagine their story being as adjustable or growing as much as, as Jack's story is capable of doing. I, I you know, I, it's, I, you know, I, at the same time, I disagree. Okay. Um, with my own words. Sure. Uh, because, because I don't, because there are so many, I, I, I think that, um, there are so many stories left untold. There are so many stories that could still be be branched out from uh, from everybody from the usher to the storyteller. Um, I think that I think the storyteller is a really great vehicle for other stories, but I think that there's something different about her as well. Um, that I think that, that I think I, I mean it's it's really funny that there's a there's that great HHN commercial where you've got you know you know you've got uh, James and Aaron and Josh who have all played icons in the past and then you've got Jason Perry who played Ted and and they're like favorite icon and he's like storyteller and the looks on their faces is priceless yeah it's great but but also you, you know you can't you can't you know fault anybody whose favorite icon is the storyteller because there is something really creepy and uh, and 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 uh and unrelenting about an old woman so 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 I, I think that there are more stories to tell for those people. Although I will say that Jack is is far more accessible, just because people are more scared of clowns than almost anything. I was going to ask if that kind of plays into it. You know, I, I feel like out of all the icons, the one that I see has kind of like really clumb the rungs. Even though he's only been featured at the one event year as the usher, his popularity has really kind of transcended everybody in recent years and i think just 19 is one of those really special years to people that that they have it super high up so like the fact that you have more stories for these characters 
obviously we're kind of in a different era of Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, a lot of us in the fan community have kind of speculated that it really started to change with kind of the Walking Dead going forward as far as like, hey, these are the the current um, IP years. Hey, the this is the focus of the event, less so the icons, minus on these anniversary years like 25 where Jack kind of takes over and brings everything back in. And actually, we even kind of saw that with... Uh, the Carnage show when he says that basically HHN you've gone soft and like a lot of people kind of take it as a play into that. Do you think Jack is the one that just because he works on that that general audience level as far as hey it's a scary clown plus he works on the hardcore HHN audience he's the one that just makes the most sense to show up uh, nowadays as far as like the icons. I mean uh, yes I'm sure. Um, I think that I think that he is far more accessible. I think that you have to dive in and tell a little bit more story and tell a little bit more background and get people warmed up if you're going to use a different icon. Um, I don't disagree. I don't disagree that ushers come on as of late. People people are really reminiscent about that. Um, but I think that uh, I don't know. It's it's difficult when you when you go from when you go from uh, 2007 was the first year that that Horror Nights really incorporated officially. Um, intellectual properties uh, with the big three. And um, once they did that, then we started bringing in um, a number of IPs and, 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 you know, as of late have some really massive successes with them and, and everything. The, the one thing that I think from Jack's point of view that he sees is that, well, if you, you know, all you're interested in is bringing people in, but you're not interested in, in hitting them hard. And I think that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I think that uh, even though in intellectual properties are are not original stories, um, we make them original houses. Sure. It's very, very difficult. Uh, and, and I think that it, it, the, the team is to be credited on all fronts, um, not just from a show direction or writing standpoint, but also from – all of the designers, as well as as well as the the literal army of people that then touch uh, an IP maze from from you know concept to completion, that it really is a difficult feat to be able to dive into somebody else's world, expand that storyline, expand the the viewpoint of the guest as far as what they've already seen, whether it be film, television, or video game, or whatever. Um, and still yet keep it true in and in the, that same realm as what they remember. Um, it's a very difficult thing to to do in in the aspect of they already have so many preconceived notions of what that thing should look like because they've already seen it, regardless of whether or not that character that they might have seen was digital or a puppet or something that is you know completely unearthly, and then we have to or had to it you know had to pay it off. Um, and I think that I think that the the team. Uh, for 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 all it's worth did a tremendous job in being able to do that process now that comes at the chagrin of characters like jack who are original and who are homegrown ip um and so i i see i see his point of view in that um i don't think and i i would ask this this question of you um i i don't believe that in the in the years that uh, have followed our inclusion of intellectual properties, that Horror Nights has become soft. 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that we've shied away or are scared ourselves of pushing the envelope as far as blood or, uh, subject matter. Um, I think that, I think that universal, um, and, and, and 25, I think was a great example of this. Um, universal is the home of the horror movie. The, it's the home of the, the universal monsters. It, it invented the genre on film. And so, and it, or if it didn't invent it, it certainly established it and created it, it in, a, in a way that, you know, still resonates with audiences today. And so if you look from that point of view, um, you see that all the original pieces of work that Universal has done to date are just adding to that catalog of what are the new classic monsters. Um, I think that I think that if you stand them up on their end, story-wise, Jack, Usher, Caretaker, Director, Storyteller, Lady Luck, Bloody Mary, it doesn't matter. Run the game at Chance. It doesn't matter who they are. All of the different icons that, that have serviced or been a part of the event are the new monsters. And I think that I think that their stories are are worth telling on that level. And I do think it's it's a conversation that personally I I am just not a fan of having is is the whole IP versus original debate. Just because mm-hmm. when you're looking at Universal, I mean you're talking about Dungeon of Terror, which featured heavily the Universal monsters, very first ever maze. Getting into the second year, you're talking about the incorporation of things like Hitchcock, and then later on you have People Under the Stairs. So like modern IP interpretation has always been part of that Halloween Horror Nights legacy. Um, and it, it feels like sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll have an event year like a 21 with Lady Luck where it's like, okay, we've got a mostly original lineup plus, uh, I believe that year it was 2011's The Thing was the, the IP representation that year. Um, but like 25 is really, it's a, it's a very good lineup as far as here's some massive properties, whether that is Freddy versus Jason, bringing back an American werewolf in London. Um, you had the purge, which was very modern, um, during that time, uh, the walking dead making its return. But then you also have stuff like the 25 years of monsters and mayhem that you're, you're really tiptoeing that line nowadays. And, and looking at the last few event years, I feel like we've reached a very happy, compromise for a lot of people as far as that half and half split um so it's it's always an interesting conversation but i do like what you say there as far as this is what jack thinks of the event as kind of being like the old timer icon looking at this new era of hhn yeah absolutely and and it's and it's through that lens i mean what's I, i i love that aspect for his show i love the fact that he's coming back and he's and he's pissed you know, and I, and, and, and I, and I, it's, it's, it's funny because in Jack's head, I'm, I, you know, I, I can't speak for Jack now, but, um, I would think that Jack, if, if given the opportunity, he'd want to come back and raise hell every single year because it's his event in his eyes, it's his event, you know, and so many people attribute the event to him. Um, especially those people that have been around for five, 10, 15 years coming to the event and even longer. Um, I loved, uh, the process of putting that show together. I mean, I couldn't have asked for, um, I couldn't have asked for a a stronger team as far as the talent that was on the stage. I couldn't have asked for a stronger team from the back of house, um, from the production team to stage management. Everybody was so magnificent. I, it really is kind of that lightning in a bottle kind of aspect where you stand back at the end of it and you're like, wow, 
everybody killed themselves to try to get this up. And I think that it really resonated with the guests. So that's awesome. So yeah. I do want to talk about the event a little bit, but before we do, you and I talked the other night when I was very fortunate to be invited to come check out Tunnel of the Damned, and I just kind of fit in there very briefly. I was like, hey, you know, HHN 26 is probably my favorite event year that I've been going, and a lot of that does kind of tie into Chance and kind of her theming of the event. HHN 26 directly ties into 25 like you said it's it's a direct continuation and i believe that's the first time that's been done in the mm-hmm. horror nights history so when you're dealing with that when you're talking about jack at the hhn at the end of 25 being sealed back in his box and then what happens to chance immediately after that that's quite an interesting you know juxtaposition from this huge carnival uh you know, celebration that was the year before to HHN 26, which feels a lot, um, it still feels theatrical, but it, it's, it definitely doesn't have kind of the, the bombastic look that 25 had. Um, you are more in the, I believe like it was constantly promoted as you're in the theater of the mind. That's while chance is locked away. So like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a very interesting juxtaposition between those two event years was that intentional as far as, hey, we're going from this huge celebration year to doing this direct sequel that's going to have a, not a total 180, but the tone is going to be quite different from what we had done the year before? Uh, absolutely. Um, it, it completely intentional. Um, not only to bring it back um, and and show it in a different light because it's a different character that's a figurehead for the event. So obviously there's going to be different things tied in with that character versus Jack. There's, um, But also... You know, the signature of Horror Nights has been and always will be, uh, well, I'm, at least it was during my time, uh, that things are going to change. Things are going to evolve. Things are always going to be different year in and year out. If you missed, then that's, and that's one of the wonderful things about the event, right? So if you missed 21, um, sorry, it's not coming back. You know, if you missed 25, we're not repeating it. You know, th- we've only had, what, one repeated house in the history of the event, and that was because people wanted it so badly that we brought back American Werewolf. Um, I think that, you know, you you um, you look forward, as, as somebody on the creative team, I think, uh, you look forward to the opportunity to change the event. You look forward to changing the stories. You look forward to doing different things every single year. And the tone that that we wanted to strike moving from 25 to 26 was intentional in how we wanted to execute it and bring it down and bring it a little bit smaller. Um, not necessarily in scope because obviously the event's not going to get smaller and, and it's going to, you know, it's, it, it's going to morph. Um, but that character in chance needed something different for that year. And so, you know, she's not Jack. So things are going to be a little bit different, um, which was great because we got the opportunity for her to be represented in all sorts of various different ways that Jack wasn't even represented in. I mean, her street zone alone was a piece of theater. Um, and, and the storyline, what's great about the storyline is I think that it served us the opportunity. And I think it was, you know, wonderful for the guests to be able to soak it in so that, they could start to follow that storyline. And if you started to hang on, there's no telling where we might end up taking it. 
leaving it open, leaving, leaving it open-ended was a way for us to be able to say, okay, well, you know what? They could come back at any time. And, um, the, the idea of slapping Jack, I'm glad you brought it up that Jack goes back into his box at the end of 25. Um, because you can't slap, you know, the, 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 the beginning of 26 is that the cops show up and, and break up the show, but you, you can't slap cuffs on Jack. You know, chance, however, is a very real person. Um, and so, you know, you get the opportunity to see what she goes through and then, uh, and to see that, you know, was it completely unintentional that she gets caught so that she gets locked away with a bunch of people and then she has her own toy box to play with, you know, I mean, there's only so many different places you can go when you start to murder people in public in a large event like that. And so for her to be taken in and actually put into, um, an institution, you know, to, to be put into a hellgate and essentially thrown away, um, that gives her the opportunity then to be able to play with everyone inside. And so for her, it wasn't being locked away. It was, you guys made a mistake and you guys locked yourselves in with me. Um, which is wonderful to play with. I mean, I know we're talking about 25, but 26 is the, the extension of that. Um, for 25, I mean, as far as the show, um, man, what a treat to be able to play with those, uh, characters, to be able to play with James and Aaron who established those characters and, and, you know, who, who originated them. There was a wonderful, um, opportunity to have conversations about where they saw the characters at and where they wanted to take them. Um, there was a huge amount of input on their behalf from, uh, from the very beginning about scripting wise, you know, what they, they might want to say or how their character might react to certain situations and being able to have the, the freedom as an actor, I think, um, to have that kind of input. I, I hope, um, I was able to provide for them, but also at the same time, what a wonderful gift for me to be able to see, um, how their reactions as characters then fed into the greater narrative of what we wanted to do, not only uh, show wise, but also overall during the entire event of 25. Um, I think it was funny. You were, you were bringing up, uh, you were bringing up all the different houses. I don't have the rest of the list, uh, but you were like, I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was the house. We did that house yeah. <laughs> and we did. Oh yeah. That was, the, we did that house. What were the rest of the houses? I don't even um, remember. Let's see. I know that year, uh, the, kind of the fan favorite that year, uh, I, I would be remiss not to shout it out due to my co-host uh, Matt on here. I think his most visited HHN house of all time was Run, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Fears. Absolutely loved Run. Yeah. Um, that White Snake song gets a lot of mention on the show, by the way. <laughs> we, <laughs> we're all about still of the night on here. Um <laughs> yeah, awesome. there was, a, of course, like, we've brought this one up, and we're going to talk about this one in quite a bit of detail on the upcoming episode, but you did do one of the, uh, one of the these mashup houses that are incredibly popular when you did Body Collectors coming to Shady Brook uh, with Body Collectors yeah. Recollections. Actually, I, if you want to, that's a, that's a huge one that I know people kind of want to know a little bit more about because these mashup houses, they've been done before as far as merging two popular properties, but this is the one that is, you know, kind of the, the capital of that list. People have such a fond memory of this house, especially when it comes to the actual Halloween Horror Nights community. Yeah. Um, echo that, man, what a fun house to put together. Um, 
because we wanted to we wanted to increase the, the 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 mythos and the mythology of the body collectors and trying to figure out you know a way to go about engaging uh, that character or that group of characters um, and and still be able to uh, place it so that it didn't contradict what had come before um, was really really fun and then we were like you know kind of kind of in the same vein I think as as the nightingales have shown that you know we we like being able to place a group of characters or a unified aggressor and tell their story uh, in bits and pieces knowing that there's other places to go with them and so for the time period uh, that we that we slated it in I think was a a, a great vehicle for us to be able to tell more of their story I remember um, the uh, you know, us when we when we were coming up with the concept and being able to write the the story that kind of broke in on the moment of their their arrival, and then the storm was going to show up, um, was based off of uh, a, a real blizzard that actually hit. Um, it's crazy. I don't remember the year. Nineteen. Uh, 19- 14, I think, um, there was, or 18, I think it was 1888. I don't, I don't remember. You'd have to look it up. Um, but there was a blizzard that hit that was, that was absolutely devastating. It was like three weeks long and it was just, I mean, the snow banks were like 50 feet high and we, we, yeah, we were like, we were like, what, what would, what would happen if the body collector showed up and they used, you know, they used Jack the Ripper previously, um, as cover you know, because they're a very secretive group, you know, they, they fly under the radar and they use other things to, you know, to kind of, to mask their existence. Um, so what if they use this blizzard and what if they showed up at an early iteration of what was Shady Brook? And, and I don't remember, and, and to, to date 99% of the time, um, I don't remember who said what in the concept room or when, um, but I remember somebody saying, well, why don't we just go to Shady Brook? And at that point, everybody just lit up and was like, oh, we're going. Yes, let's do that. Because it gives us the opportunity then to be able to play in a lot of different places. It gives us the opportunity to take it to a place that's well known by the guests. It's an anniversary year, although that wasn't the the purpose of that story being told in the outset. It was, it was we need a place for the body collectors to go. We need that environment for, for us to latch onto so that we can start this story of, how they go about taking over someplace. It's not just a matter of, okay, the body collectors show up and it's gross. Um, because that would be the easy out. But I think that if Horror Nights is known for anything, it's known for an evolution of character, but also it, it's known for its depth of storytelling so that the guests, when they walk through, they get a feeling of, yeah, it's not quite right um, at, the, at the best, but oh my God, that's really disturbing when it's at its best. And I think that I think that Shady Brook gave them that. That is something that I've noticed that that you in particular uh, are a big fan of doing is kind of your melding of history along with the these characters. I, I actually remember the the first time I ever talked to you was uh, last year at the media event. I asked a very particular question about. Um, why are you bringing the Nightingales back? Um, that that was my question for you. And basically, that quickly derailed for, for everybody else as far as the history of the Nightingales versus, you know, like the, this ancient Roman setting. And, and I love that just because I think there is something so great about... Um, for instance, growing up, my favorite, favorite author, ugh, 
excuse me, my favorite author was Michael Crichton. And it was a combination of how he combined the realistic science aspect of it with the fiction. And that's something that I think this house that you're bringing up and even Nightingales from last year, you're taking these two HHN properties and melding it into a little bit of real world to where even if the guest is not as familiar with that exact backstory, it doesn't matter what the year is. It puts it in a real setting that makes you more susceptible to being scared by this because you buy the environment. Yeah, I, 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 that's very kind of you to say, but, uh, yeah, in fact, every member of the, of the, the concept team are huge history buffs. Um, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Charles because, uh, Charles Gray is a huge history fan and he, um, his, his placement even last year of Yeti in the Yukon, um, was a historical grab. It was a, I, we want to place it in a particular time period. And so this is the time period that we're setting it in. And here's the environment that these characters could, could latch onto. And I think it was, I was wonderful. I, I think they just released a, a brand new backstory, um, or the, the, the expanded backstory that he wrote for Yeti, uh, quite recently on their blog. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think you're, I think you're absolutely dead on when we are trying to, um, place a character in a particular environment. It helps, uh, with how relatable the environment or the, the situation is for the guests to be able to scare them. I think, I think you're, you're bang on with that. Um, and I, you know, you want a, a varied slate. So it's not always that we're going to rely upon history or we're not always going to be able to take characters and move them around as far as, you know, what time period we're going to see them in. But when you look at the entire slate of a year, whether it be uh, last year where we had, you know, something in the Yukon and then we had something very modern um, or you go to, you know, back in 2008 and we go interstellar terror with a spaceship. And then, you know, on the other side, uh, you've got, uh, I don't know, creatures or whatever it might be, you know, which is in a bayou, um, or dead waters, you know, things like that. You want a varied slate of environments. Um, and you can't always tie characters into historical, um, crossroads, but when you do it, I, I think it's, it's highly effective. I mean, uh, catacombs, I mean, the name of the, your pod, I mean, that it doesn't necessarily come from catacombs, but Catacombs was one of the things where we wanted to show what actually happened during the Black Plague, and you're you're being locked in that tomb. And I think that uh, I think that anytime you can you can heighten the situation and go fantastic with it, even though it's part of the real world, I think that you know you're you're set as far as you know being able to scare people. So I, I'm going to get a lot of angry uh, reactions if I don't bring this up. Um, but the oh, the body oh, oh. well, then don't. <laughs> well, I kind of have to, so I avoid it. But the body collector's house is uh, before we move forward. The body collector's house um, at, for those of us who were fortunate enough to take the tour are very familiar of their favorite fun little fact that this is the birthplace of Jack and Eddie. I was just wondering if you had any sort of like, <laughs> did you have any sort of comments on that as far as like how that came up or, or where we decided to do that? Or is that more so just like a, Hey, let's just put this in here. So people have something to look at that kind of ties into every. It. Yeah. Um, every original house that year was touched in some way, shape, or form, by Jack or one of the other icons. Okay, um, and that was intentional. We wanted we wanted nods 
spread throughout not only the scare zones but also the houses that we wanted we wanted those little tiny bits and pieces spread throughout and um and honestly I, I don't know if it started as a joke but it quickly morphed into i remember the session that i had with david hughes um that you know we we ran through jack's timeline we broke it all out and there's stuff on that board that still hasn't come to light and w- may never come to light um you know, there's, there's for all of the things that the guests have seen, we have done and forgotten twice as much, if not more, because so many things go on the boards as we, as we are creating. Um, but yeah, there was, there was an entire timeline built out for not only, there's a lot of information, uh, but we wanted to, to do that little hint. And wouldn't it be wonderful if Jack was born Jack and Eddie were born during the time of, of a body collector takeover of Shady Brook. Like you have almost a nexus of evil at that point, all happening simultaneously. And so the worst blizzard in a century, body collectors have taken over, you know, the, the sanitarium and you've got all of the inmates going absolutely bug nuts crazy. It's a, uh, it's a perfect time for chaos. I've got to wonder if there is like an alternate history version of Jack and Eddie where they're actually just like, their priests or something like wonderful just because <laughs> you know they weren't born in this horrible circumstance <laughs> you know jack and Eddie yeah people. exactly they they run you know, they run yeah, a bakery they, they own, in they, city walk yeah they own a they own a, they own a soda shop <laughs> down on 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 the on Main Street. exactly um you know they're the president of the of the rotary club in the chamber of commerce um yeah you know what I, that's that's a fun idea to play with, you know, the alternate universe of of you know what could have been for any one of those characters. I mean, I think that um, story wise, I think that if you delve deep enough into all of the characters, whether it be Jack or or Chance or Eddie or even unexplained uh, things that may surround uh, characters like Mary Agana or or uh, Julian Browning, um, there's there's a hint of tragedy. There's a hint that they're they could be, but for their actions in rea- but for but for how they re- chose to react, and but for their lack of compassion or remorse based on those actions, they could be sympathetic characters. You know, you 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 almost, and I think that that's what people might want to root for as far as their favorite icons are concerned, because everybody's got a favorite icon. You know, if you if you even those people who, like yourself, when you showed up in twenty five. Did you already have a favorite icon before you showed up? That's 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 something because it's based off of the story that is that is inherent with all of those characters, and they're and it's not interesting enough for you to have um, a scary guy in a mask show up. Um, you want a little bit of backstory. You don't need a lot. You don't need to um, you know you don't need to explain it all away. Um, but even Michael Myers being the shape in the original Halloween had a sense of mystery about him that you knew something was wrong. And they even showed went went so far as to show that scene at the very beginning of the movie as him as a little kid. That's tragic enough that you don't need anything else. Um, and then you, and then you can, you can, you, you've bought enough time for multiple films worth of not having to worry about explaining his backstory or why he does the things that he does, you can line it up as being fate or you can line it up as being fear or you can line it up as being, um, the fact that he's the agent of chaos. You know, 
when you it, it, to to explain away Michael Myers and Fear and Jack respectively. That's a really interesting look. I think that's awesome. So that that's that's yeah. my opinion. Whether or not whether or not it, it, you know if it becomes headcanon, great. But it's that's that's no. My I, I dig it though. I dig it. So I do want to ask you about this, and then I'd like to talk a little bit about the the new project that you're working on. But um, you sure. said the other night, um, and I've got a little bit of that audio that I'm going to fit into this episode when we're talking about Tunnel of the Dam. But you uh, you cracked a joke the other day. You said I'm the only creator that has three haunted houses uh, running simultaneously at the same time right now, as far as in the Orlando area. That's a surreal thing, by the way. It's really it's really really weird, and 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 you know it's 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 disingenuous. Because, because the thing is, is that, you know, I left, uh, universal at the end of June and for those who have put together haunted houses on independent or from the universal team, understand that there is a galaxy of time between the end of June and opening up the houses when they did those teams, uh, I feel absolutely, um, honored that they opened up those houses at universal. And I feel so, um, I, 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 I feel so much respect and admiration for the teams to have carried on and done the work to open them up. And, and I feel humbled, uh, that they, that, that they did so. Um, but yes, yes. Uh, I was responsible for at, at most writing and, and being part of the design team and, and furthering on, uh, three houses this year right now in Orlando that are open. Um, I would say that Bride, I would say that Bride, Tooth Fairy was almost 100%. Bride was probably at 85% of the time that I, I left. Um, and then, uh, and then yeah, Tunnel of the Damned, which was a roller coaster of rapid, uh, man, that was fast. Yeah, it seems like it. I've seen a lot of conversation lately. Um, so Universal Monsters from 29 is my, it's my second favorite Halloween Horror Nights house that I've ever been through. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was good. Yeah, my my first because I've got to throw it out. It's Ghost Town, The Curse of Lightning Gulch is my my favorite house. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, throwing it back to twenty six. But so when you are following up such a fan favorite house like Universal Monsters from last year, and you're basically not, you're kind of in a weird situation where you're doing a sequel to the Frankenstein section of that house, but it's not exactly a. It's kind of a sequel to, hey, here's the modern adaptation to the end of the Bride of Frankenstein. That's a very interesting situation to be in, and I, I kind of want to bring that up because I've seen a lot of conversation. I think this event is giving a lot of people a chance to revisit this house so many different times. I've seen this one get mentioned a lot as possibly being a, a top five house of all time. That That's a huge thing for a lot of people. The Bride of Frankenstein Lives is such a distinct idea. I was just curious, like... Is there anything you can say about how that concept came up as far as following Universal Monsters? Um, yes and no. Um, I want to be very careful because I no longer work at Universal Orlando. Um, I want to. I want to make sure that. I want to make sure that uh, that I'm not. I, I. I haven't been briefed as far as their public relations team is concerned. I. I don't have their talking points, and I don't want to speak on behalf of the company. Um, as as a fan and as somebody who worked on the house um thank you that's it. i want to say thank you to everybody who has enjoyed that house um it's a labor of love that house 
I, I, I knew moving into this year, we don't often have favorites, but moving into this year, um, I was, I was a fan of every house, whether it be mine or Charles. I thought that 30 was going to be a very special, it turned out to be a very special year anyway, but I think that 30 was very, very special. Um, and, and, and every now and then you, you have a year. I mean, I did it for what, 12, 13 seasons. Um, you know, you'd sit back at the end of media night and you'd look around and you'd go, okay, all right, this year was, was one of those years. Um, and the, the opportunity to dive into that story and taking the opportunity to dive into the story and be able to tell, uh, an extension of that story, I think is special to me as a fan of the classic monsters, the universal monsters. But it also, I think, hammers home the idea that those monsters and those stories have more to be told. And I think that people don't understand just how terrifying, with modern sensibilities uh, and, and modern film audiences, I think that they're loath to understand just how terrifying the Bride of Frankenstein was when they came out because people hadn't seen anything like it. You know, we get to look at the lens of, of Bride of Frankenstein or, or Frankenstein's monster or Wolfman or Dracula with 70 years of bastardizations and, you know, changes and augmentations and serials and all the different things that come along with it. But when you look at it as a base, you're seeing, uh, in the case of Frankenstein's monster, he's a reanimated corpse. And I think that that's, ter- that's a terrifying possibility, you know, especially with modern, with modern medical science of, of cloning and things like that, that that's scary. Um, I think that the extension that we chose to go down in the pathway that, that I wrote, um, I think it's wonderful that the guests are responding to it as positively as they are. Um, I think that, I think that there's more to even be told on behalf of the company as far as, you know, the, the, the full story behind that house, but they'll release that when they want to release it. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to do that. Um, but there's more to it. And I think that that's, it's wonderful that the guests are reacting to it the way that they are right now, just in its own, just in its current shape. And, and how wonderful is it that, um, cause it's a tough time right now. Everybody's going through such a tough time. I think it's absolutely wonderful that the company has opened up the doors to a couple of experiences for people to escape more. Um, one of the, one of the reasons that Kim Grommel and I signed on to do Tem- tunnel of the damned, uh, at tunnel of the You can go buy tickets. Um, it, I would be remiss if I didn't do that. Uh, I think w- one of the reasons that we signed on is because people need that escape right now. Things have been so tense and so, hard for uh, so many people for so long that they need an escape. They need a chance to go out and, you know, get the opportunity to, uh, you know, enjoy themselves in a safe environment. And I think that that's something that people have been longing to do for such a long time that, um, hopefully there's a market for it. And based on the reactions of people going to universal and and experiencing those two houses, it, it it certainly seems as if there is, I posted something the other day that basically just said an event like this is giving people who normally wouldn't have the opportunity or, or like want to spend Halloween Horror Nights prices to their first opportunity to see a Halloween Horror Nights house. I mean, you kind of had a similar thing with stranger things day, uh, a couple years back, but, um, with this, like 
these two HHN houses are really resonating with people. Uh, I did want to mention, just because we got into a friendly jab the other day when I said uh, Revenge of the Two Fairy is my favorite of the, in quotation marks, scary tales sort of property. And you said, huh, that's news to me. And I was like, well, more in like the execution of like that storybook and everything like that. But that is one that uh, people are, are really having a great reaction to um, just because you've got two very distinct houses. You've got, you got Bride, which is maybe even a little bit more, uh, well, they're both gory. That's the thing. They both have a, a lot of visceral elements to them. But Revenge of the Two Fairy is very fantastical in that, I know you hate it, in that kind of scary tales way. So, like, that's that's a really cool um, succession to, you know, that that kind of uh, that that kind of house. It feels very old school HHN for, from what everybody has described. I I, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Tooth Fairy was a labor of love as well. Um, uh, yeah, I. I, I I wasn't. I wasn't uh, trying to antagonize. Oh no, no, no! I'm no. saying that's news <laughs> to me. But the, the reason the reason I responded that way is I was thinking more of the overall homegrown IP brand of Scary Tales as we have formerly known it. And so I was like, oh, that's that's interesting that somebody would place it within that universe. That it is a it it would be it would be part of that universe because and 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 you know what? Who's to say? I mean they can do whatever they want with it. Um, but it's, it, it, it is a fun, um, man, we worked on that a long time. Tooth fairy, tooth fairy took a long time. I mean, we were, I think it was pitched the first year and didn't go. And then I think the next year it was pitched and we developed it and then it was bumped and it was, it was ready. I mean, it was as close to being built as you can possibly be. Uh, without being built. And then, um, and then this year it got its due. And I know that Manuel Cordero who designed it, uh, first Dylan Colith on the bride side. I mean, he slaughtered that house, that, that house, the design of that house, the beauty that is in that, uh, is in, uh, the bride of Frankenstein lives. It's majestic. That house is so gorgeous. And every day that we would go in, um, and walk through first the construction, then the scenic, and then all the embellishment on top of it with the decor team that, that did such an amazing job. Um, every day we would walk in and get excited again about going through that house. Um, then in Tooth Fairy, there are small things that are in that house that just make me happy from a fan's point of view. And then there are things that I walk through and make me happy from a storyteller's point of view. Um, the execution of how the effects team makes the 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 folds and the flats of the facade move, just like their pull tabs in a child's book, make me extremely happy. Um, there's a small little thing when you walk through Tooth Fairy. It's it might be my favorite aspect of the house just from a, a scenic point of view, um, and it's not Charles Gray's stained glass, which was a practical <laughs> joke on my behalf. Um, and and uh, <laughs> the look on Charles's face when he came around the corner and saw it. Was I, yeah, everything. it's it's a great one. I, I I was curious who that was supposed to be, so that makes perfect sense now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I yeah, I commissioned that from <laughs> Manuel. I was like, and and because he's like, this is where the stained glass window is going to go, and I go, Manuel, I need it to be Charles Gray. <laughs> he was like, I'm on it, and so we got on Facebook and found a picture of him and uploaded it and had the had the stained glass artist come back and do it Beautiful. all. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I hope he hangs it in his office. <laughs> Um, he won't, but I hope he does. Uh, but 
the, the, there's a small little tiny piece when you walk in, it's the, right past the facade. As you're making that turn to the left and you're about to go into James's room for the first time, if you look to your left, you see the grandfather clock in a small paper, in quotations, cut out, bump out on the left-hand side. And then you see the grandfather clock later on in the house, in the hallway. And it's such a magnificent call to, we're in a book. And, and you, you're like, oh my God, I'm in the pages of the book and it's such a wonderful piece. And then you turn the corner and you're just like, oh my God, and it's gross. And we're in this, this absolute nightmare where, you know, if you deny the tooth fairies the teeth, they will come and get yeah. them. Aesthetically, so one of my favorite directors uh, is just Guillermo del Toro. Uh, he's got a very distinct, fantastical look and Revenge of the Tooth Fairy it, it, I wouldn't say it borrows, but it seems like it's kind of inspired from something kind of along the lines of like your Pan's Labyrinth, as far as like your fantastical elements. Um, of course, that could just be more of a generalized style, but personally, I really like the aesthetic for that reason. No, thanks, man. That's that's a huge compliment. Um, the makeup design, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Stephanie Mosco did the 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 masks and then it was furthered with a bunch of other people within that uh makeup division they all did a fantastic job with it yeah you're gonna when you when you go to the route of okay you start in the realm of the fairies right you're talking about the fairy Mm -hmm. folk and and what that means to everybody i think that there's a common uh viewpoint that everybody has of what those characters could look like um and so I think that it's going to naturally play towards that Del Toro kind of aesthetic because he he does like to go into that fantasy um, sure. realm. Um, but then you also look at some of those fairies and you're like, no, that's just gross. <laughs> that's just a thing with a thing with claws that wants to come and, and rip my teeth yeah. out. And I think that uh, I think that the idea that yeah they might be small but they are extremely brutal about how they extract. We wanted to find as many different ways that those characters could do that. So, you know, it, in the list of, in the list of them, I mean, they, they, there's drills, there's, they, they, they bite them and they rip them out with their own mouths. They burn them out. They, you know, there's, it's wonderful. It's absolutely pretty wonderful. maniacal. So let's talk about, I, I've got a whole, uh, basically interview focused, uh, with you and Kim talking about tunnel of the dam that I'm going to upload alongside this mm-hmm. from the other night. But, um, let's talk a little bit. So moving over into tunnel of the damned, you said, Hey, this is, this is the quickest turnaround we we've had on a haunt attraction like this. Um, you are very, very close to universal. I think you're maybe about 10 minutes away, give or take. Um, so you're you're very close. You've got this haunted house right there in the middle of tourist capital here in Orlando. So when you're moving into Tunnel of the Damned, uh, I got to say, I, I was very, very impressed with what you guys pulled off. You're talking about how it was a quick operation, but um, I even made it a point to say the other night, I was very impressed with how fully themed and immersive the haunt was. Uh, despite it being a, a, a quick put up, the the story that you guys are telling, along with it being a multi part production, which I think is awesome. W- when are you guys moving into phase two? By the way, um, it is tentatively slated that we will have a very quick phase two. Um, I think it's going to be the twentieth. I think that that will premiere on the twentieth um, because we're 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 in we're in production for it right now, um, and and how we're going to do it, and then. Um, I think we turn to phase three somewhere around the 26th, like a week later. 
So it'll be a very fast uh, turnaround for that. And then you get, you know, your final four or five nights leading up into Halloween uh, for, for phase three. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that is one of the, the, one of the principles behind the maze itself is that we knew that if we were going to go this fast, um, one of the, the prerequisites that we set for ourselves and one of the goals that we set for ourselves is that it would evolve, um, because it is a standalone singular attraction in an entire world of, of singular attractions that are that, you know, that line I drive, um, and going up against, you know, not necessarily, uh, in, in, in equal competition to the theme parks, but certainly vying for people's attention. Um, when we opened, we didn't have the dark seance as our second piece yet. Um, that opened up after. So it was necessary for us to be able to come out and say, yeah, okay, yes, we're opening up a single attraction, but it is going to morph. So buy a ticket that allows you to come back multiple times during our run and you will see how it changes. And I hope, uh, I hope that the guests enjoy how the second and third iterations occur. Um, I, I think that people, uh, deserve a night out on the town. So I think that, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a safe environment that you can come and you can enjoy a haunt and you can, if you buy a, a pass for not much more than the regular standard price of the attraction, you can come back in over and over and over again, everything all, all night long or buy a, or buy a, a season pass and you can come back, you know, and, and that gives you not only, um, unlimited runs on the nights that you do come, but it gives you as many nights as you want to come back. Um, which is something that is also wonderful. Um, yeah, we're excited about it. It's, it's, it is a tough thing. Like the, the turnaround on that house, um, you know, six weeks from the date that I got the first phone call and the first meetings started, but we started swinging hammers like three weeks before the event opened. And that is, that's not even including scenic. So I appreciate what you said about, you know, it feeling immersive and it didn't feel as if, you know, it was slapped and dashed together. Uh, we certainly tried to keep the level of, of, you know, immersion and, and the level of detail at a, at a pace and a, and at a rate that we felt, you know, was warranted. And, and even now, um, last night I was at the haunt and we were still making changes. You know, we're not, we're not going to settle. I'm going to, I'm going to make changes on a nightly basis whenever I'm there to be able to be like, okay, that's not working quite right. So let's get this actor to do this. Let's get this actor to do this and let's figure this out. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a little workshop too which is nice so that you may get on a nightly basis. You might get a different show than you had, you had gotten originally. So obviously this is something that just could not have been executed without the team that you have, you know, putting this together. I, I mean the background. Um, yeah. Like I, I, you know, it's a, it's a very different art form, but we've seen a lot of in the central Florida area, we've seen a lot of drive through haunts open this season. Um, hmm. So with that, you know, being a different art form, but a lot of those people have come out and have, have you know, we've talked or, or they've posted. They're just like, wow, we we didn't really know what we were getting involved with. Uh, and that, that kind of is a common running thread. They're, they're happy with the product that they put out. A lot of people are having a great time. But they're like, man, that was so much more work. That was so much more money. I can only imagine the benefit that comes from having a team of veterans coming to join you, uh, even with that quick turnaround time and being able to put together something so cohesive. Well, and that was, uh, um, we, we, I, I was very fortunate 
I was very fortunate that, that, you know, when I started making calls, cause, cause that's the thing is that off that initial conversation that I had, uh, with the production, with the producer, you know, he was like, is this possible, you know, based on the time. And I threw out a number that was astronomical and we never got near that number. But I said, based on the time that I am aware of in my experience with Halloween Horror Nights, your house is going to cost X, you know, just a first blush and minors plus or minus what may or may not have actually been an uh, you know, a real number, you know, and it was almost a, a matter of me in a, in a way trying to scare him because based on my experience, I know how much these things cost and, and, and I know how expensive people are going to be, especially in an advanced turnaround in an advanced timetable. And I said, okay, well, if you want this team, okay, I'll start making calls and see if anybody's available and wants to play. And thank God that Kim Grommel picked up the phone and was like, yeah, sure, whatever, let's play. <laughs> um, and that was such a... I'm Not like, a lot going on this year. Like, let's uh, let's do it, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I mean, Kim, Kim, Kim uh, had just finished up, uh, had just finished up Universal Creative. So he was still busy. He has a bunch of other smaller projects. So he was still busy. Um, and so I was like, are you even down? He's like, well, let's go have a conversation and we'll, we'll, we'll settle in. So we had the conversation and, and he even said it himself after, you know, uh, during the Q and a, when we were talking at tunnel, um, he was like, yeah, we were in the parking lot after we had met with, you know, the, the production team and we're like, okay, yeah, we could, we could do this. This has the, the, the building has enough bones. We've got enough audio. We've got enough lighting equipment. We need to nail down scenic and construction. We need to figure out the rest of the story, but we could do this. And now it's just getting a bunch of other maniacs on board to play with us during this time period to be able to make sure that it becomes a reality. And fortunately, uh, fake productions and oddities and Adam McCabe and Rockaway PR and a bunch of other entities, you know, came together and we got very fortunate. And I think that, um, I think that as the, as the event, um, at tunnel of the damned, and the dark seance evolve over the course of this this month. I think guests, when they return, are going to find something surprising and very special about it. Absolutely agreed. So we do actually have we're we're going to be giving away some tickets so they can come check out the haunt, which is awesome. Thank you all for, so much for doing that. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about with either dark seance or tunnel of the damned, or do you think we've about covered it? I think we've got it, but uh, but I do want to say that you know get your tickets at darkseance.com or get your tickets to Tunnel of the Damned at tunnelofthedamned.com. There are still two more um, iterations of the house to come and see, so come and see Act One, and then come and see a different Act Two, and then come and see a different Act Three, and that's that's something that I think is unique about this. Um, I also think that you know where we can give shout outs to the haunted road and to scream and stream and all of the other independent haunts whether they be drive through or traditional in nature i think is as a community uh coming together to celebrate this holiday season cuz it is halloween is a holiday season now it's not just a single day um i think that i think that for all of us in in not only the haunt community but also um in the the themed entertainment industry we need uh, not necessarily distraction, but something to uh, to uh, to help us out during this time. And I think that it's a a wonderful opportunity for people to come and and enjoy themselves over over the course of a night. You come, have a, a drink or two, come to the haunt, and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Patrick, I want to thank you again for joining us today. We covered a lot of ground. Um, I I had a lot of fun here, yeah, man. man. I feel like I ran. I feel like I ran a race. <laughs> I had a lot of fun though. So again, thank you so much. It really means the world to us. 
Hey, Hunter, thanks so much. And for everybody out there, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween indeed. What do you think was your biggest inspiration to create the tunnel of the dam? Um, okay, so it kind of is twofold. I'm gonna yeah, uh, jump in. Uh, yeah, take it, take it. I'm gonna take. It's kind of twofold. One, the inspiration of um, being able to, in, in a very real sense, the inspiration of trying to give something back to the Orlando community during this time. To give the opportunity for people who not only are a part of the haunt community but also everybody who have been dealing with so much recently a chance to escape in a safe environment and have fun. That's number one. That's people, the, and people missing it. And people missing it. That's the actual inspiration behind the event. Yeah. Wanting to be a part of this. And, and making and, it safe. And do this. And making it safe. We wouldn't have signed on if we weren't going to. Um, but also, the, 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 the micro-inspiration then becomes, um, it's just fun to create monster stories. Um, you know, I mean, people have asked if, if we did have this in the back pocket, and the answer is no. This was a conversation that happened after, during our first meeting, after our first meeting? Yeah. I don't remember. It, it happened sometime around our first meeting. Where yeah, I don't think we actually had it when we stood out in the parking lot and said, we could do this. Now we have to figure out what this is. Right, I think it was the next day. Yeah. I think we were talking about locations and talking about where that... What could it be? At, at one point we said, are, are, are there clowns involved? No, there are yeah, clowns yeah. involved. And, and then we wound up somewhere, uh, I guess you said it was me, you said, maybe a tunnel. Did we yeah. start with a tunnel? Did we start you with a tunnel? You, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody said a tunnel. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, it was like, okay, now we can take the gloves off and we can actually start diving in. Because when you look at a tunnel just as a thematic, you're like, okay, it's confined, it's small, it's dark. But also, there are two ends to each of that, each side of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. It has to go somewhere, it has to come from somewhere. And then so, you came up with the only way through... Yeah. I love the old quote, the only way out is through. Yeah. And so that became an impetus for us, and that kind of drove the storyline. And trying to figure and then out... And went into, well, where's the tunnel going? Well, yeah. it's going into Manhattan. Yep. What yeah. happened in Manhattan? Bad things. Bad things happen. <laughs> Bad things happen. Bad things continue to happen in yeah. our story. Yeah. And, um, and for the first act, as well as the second phase, and then the third phase of the, of the story in the haunt, as it evolves over the course of the month, you're going to learn more about that. And I think that that's also a unique thing that, that is really fun and inspires us to push because it gives the guests a chance to come back and experience it in a different way. Yeah. And some of them are subtle changes, and some of them are not so subtle changes. Yeah. And I think it's going to be fun for people to experience it. And, and, and we've never done anything like that. We're in the middle of a in the middle of a run. It's going to change. It's going to change with some of the act the actors, the the, the costuming, some of the set, some of the look. Pre-show will alter slightly. The yeah. set will alter slightly. The, the costumes, makeup. Yeah. Um, I think that the performers in the maze are super jazzed. I remember talk, telling them the first time that it was going to happen, and they were like, "Wait a minute! So we only have to spend ten days in this mask?" And we we're like, "Well, you may go back to a mask, but you know, this particular time, yeah. this particular mask, yes." And they were like, "Yeah!" <laughs> and so they're excited because their characters get to evolve over the course of time. It's not the same person. It's not the same character. Yeah. The entire run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna change up, and and that was a challenge. But uh, mm -hmm. we sat and uh, I had a SketchUp model, which is a 3D model on my computer of the maids, and we sat there in my house. Uh, it was a couple of hours, but we're sitting like, there trying to think, trying to figure out how, how we're gonna, gonna do how it. How are we gonna do this? How does? How can we figure this out? But like all of the things that have happened, not only in our history with Horror Nights, but also here. 
when the solution hits, oh, yeah. it pops and it's just a nanosecond. Lightning in a bottle. It literally. You, know, you ever hear that term? Lightning oh, yeah. was lightning in a bottle. It was like. We're like, why don't we do this? Yeah. Oh, shit, I, it works. I was trying one thing and I'm like, oh, oh that, this is it, this is it. And I'm like, oh, ADA. ADA won't work uh, the way I have it planned out. And we sat there and you said, try this. And we went, okay, all right, all right. And, yeah! <laughs> and then we went, Okay, now we have to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> the third iteration. And 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 although, you know, it, it, it's funny because it is a different thing that we've you know we've ever done before in the fact that we are gonna be evolving it over the course of the run. Um, how we go about doing it is there is. There's gonna be some subtlety to it, but there's also gonna be some some things that are pretty fairly I don't know, substantial. Yeah. In how we change. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I had a quick question as well. So obviously, coming from the background that you guys come from, that is a that's a massive operation. You were just talking hordes of people going through a haunted house constantly from yeah, open hordes of people building too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just constantly going through these locations. So obviously, with this, I imagine with as much scare experience as you two have, scaring is very different when you're working with a group of people or a couple oh. of people versus a constant line of people. I got a little bit of this and you could take it too, but yeah, yeah for the years, I mean, I was there from 98 through 2015, mm -hmm. so I did 16 years of haunts, and because of the whole conga line there, and, and the design team there, when I was on it, and then even afterwards, and up until this year with you, you have to figure out a way to get the scares when it's a conga line, and somebody, they used to say, somebody has to cross the threshold every 1.5 seconds. They hit their numbers. So it's like one person, another person. You've seen it. Mm -hmm. And how do you scare somebody when, you know, between me and that door, there's eight people, and I saw the, the zombie jump out right there. And they, I know where to, is. and they managed to do it. They managed to do it. But now, because of several things, COVID, the, the, the way we have to do this with social distancing, this is a dream come true because yeah. we're, we're pulsing. You know, you go through with your group. If your group is two people, you're two people. If it's six people, it's six people going through. You stand on the red X, uh, the the uh, lieutenant tells you to go, you go inside, the other guy, the sergeant in there tells you to stand, then you're gone, you're, you're heading in with just your little group, and you, there's nobody behind you, there's nobody in front of you, and that's that's amazing, that's that's wonderful, that's good. they're going to be such great scares, Yeah, I got, I got, I got to jump out. Did you? Yeah, I got to jump out in the sword. Hey. I, I turned around at <laughs> you and I'm like, that was, they got me. I, <laughs> I know where he is. Yeah. <laughs> you put him there. I put him there. Well, he put him there. We put him there. We put him there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think was your biggest design challenge, especially with COVID being a thing? That's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cast management backstage, the choreographed dance that we have to do with everybody, making sure that temperatures are taken, making sure that everybody has gloves and masks and PPE, making sure that everybody is safe and taken care of. And that's um, one of the things we said we wouldn't do it unless it, unless it was safe. Yep. Um, also, you'll notice that we, we made a slight alteration tonight because we didn't have the loading dock in the Chinese restaurant, where we had people a little bit too close for my comfort in your space as you went through the area before the warehouse. Um, that's only because we didn't have those actors up there, we had them down below. They were um, in spots where it literally is an exit, there is no character yeah. in that spot. Or, but we had to put them somewhere. Or, this character that's in that area, purposely because we are pulsing, has the opportunity to do multiple hits. Oh, that was one thing. And, uh, because, I think, what do you have, 20? Yeah. 20 characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna feel like 28, 30, yeah. because we have a design where, uh, because it's pulsing, it, it, if it's not pulsing, then 
You can't keep bouncing. A, a character can't go to this hole in this wall, turn around, go to this hole in this wall, run down there and hit that wall. Because then people are going to miss it. But with the pulsing, it's going to feel like, that one guy's going to feel like two or three. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but, that, but, but that being said, we wanted to make sure that even though they had that opportunity, there's physical impediments in, in their way. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, keep the, we keep them balanced and away from the guests. They're present. They hide and slide rather than, you know, jump out. And, and we wanted to do that because we, we, we still need to make sure that people get startled and, and are still a part of the story and still get scared. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we maintain that distance. There's going to be some uh, tech that wasn't ready tonight that, that you're going to come back and see that it's, it's going to scare you. There's some good tech coming. That's awesome. We were both very impressed just with the, for as quick as this project came together, you know, everything considered, just how well developed all the scenic was, to, to be perfectly honest. And I feel like it's, uh, we've, we've done a lot of haunts between the two of us, and uh, just, you know, there's there's spots where you can say, hey, you know, like, they did their best, but like, this is a, this is a black wall spot, this is a black curtain spot, whatever. This maze is very consistent, and it's theming throughout. We were both very impressed with that coming from, you know, yeah, the, the sure. background. Um, and even the scenic is probably at 85, 90%. There were pieces, I had folks in today, our scenic folks, and we were just running out of time, so it's like, okay, um, there's there's a, a, a section, there's going to be a door there. We don't have the door hung. Hang a black drape there for now. Yeah. There were two or three locations like that. There will be a door, so those little black spots that you're talking about, we'll even fill in some of those. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. There are times where it's like, well, they've got this big scene here and this big scene here, and then there's the you know the 15-foot corridor of black. Yeah. We didn't want any of that. In, no, fact, it, in fact, that was one of the very first conversations that we had. Yeah. I remember it was even the, the very first day before we even decided that we were going to do it in full. Yeah. We laid down a specification, not only would it be COVID safe, but also that we're not in the business of doing black trash walls. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. 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 And, and, and also, here in Orlando, where people, they're, they're used to HHN, and they're used to going over to Hollow Scream. And yeah. Like, if only the if only the bar in Orlando had been set lower, <laughs> this six weeks would have been a lot easier. Yeah, but yeah. the bar is set to, to a certain... I think we uh, I think we knocked the I think, I think we're there. We I think we're there. We, we we're at 85%. Yeah. We're not open yet. Yeah. 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 Your closest competition is the Movie Land Hotel, like right up the road. So, you know, that's the scariest place. Terrifying, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to spend right there. Like, you know? It's kind of like Central Florida's Overlook. You know, I keep, I, you know, every single time I drive past that place, I keep thinking to myself that I'm going to write a play about it. Because <laughs> seriously, there's so many... There's, there's so many things you can do with that kind of a property. I know, I know. Yeah. All right, welcome back, and thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And a special shout-out, of course, to Patrick, as well as Kim, for doing these interviews with us and giving us so much awesome content. Uh, I gotta say, I think my favorite part is when I dared to call Jack the Clown the uh, Mickey Mouse of HHN. And uh, did I know better? Yes, I did. Did I still do it? Yeah. Um, my, my mother would be so disappointed. But I do have something fun for you all. If you've made it this far into the episode, you absolutely deserve it. We have been gifted two tickets to Tunnel of the Damned, an Orlando form of fear, uh, to give away. So all you've got to do to win those, please go follow at Orlando Forum of Fear 
on Instagram. Now, once you have done that, there's one more step for you to do. I want you to screenshot that and send it to me on Twitter, at HanBrolo77, H-A-N-B-R-O-L-O-7-7. But there's one more thing you've got to do. Answer this trivia question correctly. Okay, so once you follow them, send that over. And the same tweet, I want you to put, which haunted house was Patrick's glorious face featured on the front of the facade of from HHN 18? What house from HHN 18, 2008, had Patrick's face right on the front of it? Hopefully that's a fun one for you. Hopefully you enjoy that. The first two people to answer correctly will win uh, one full night uh, pass for Tunnel of the Damned each. So, party one, party two. Uh, This is for one person in your party's admission, so keep that in mind. So, you're going to win one ticket to Tunnel of the Damned if you're the first. And you know what? I'm a a generous host, so we'll we'll do one for the second place as well. But for now, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know I sure did. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a Neozaz Internet Entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at neozaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright Universal Studios or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at neozaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Neozaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.